Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Smart cities. It all starts with data. Hello, you're listening to Fast Forward on The World Transformed. program presents ongoing conversations with thought leaders who are shaping our future through new ideas and new technologies. In this edition of Fast Forward, Bill Pugh, a managing partner with Smart Connections Consulting, joins us to discuss smart cities initiatives from a systems perspective. What motivates governments to begin putting smart city solutions in place? What would make these initiatives more effective? And why should we ultimately be thinking not about smart cities, but smart regions? Let's explore. The future begins right now. Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, a future that will be here sooner than you think. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and I'm pleased to welcome you to this, the second installment in our ongoing series on smart cities. And we have a very special guest joining us to talk about smart cities today. I'm very pleased to welcome Bill Pugh to the program. With a background in telecommunications and IT, Bill is a managing partner at Smart Connections Consulting where he provides public and private sector clients technological thought leadership, guidance, and practical support for wired and wireless connected initiatives, as well as roadmaps for open data and analytic objectives. Bill has over 25 years of experience in wired and wireless strategy of platform development and deployment of networking technologies for private and public companies. In recent years, he's been engaged with cities on strategies for executing smart city initiatives around streetlights, smart parking, Intelligent Traffic, and Security. Bill Pugh, welcome to The World Transformed. Hey, Phil. Thanks a lot for having me. It's an absolute honor to to be speaking with you. Well, it's great to have you on. You know, I was reading over that list of topics there, the streetlights, the smart parking, intelligent traffic, and security, and we were talking about some of those things when you and I met up at the Smart City Symposium last month. And, we, you know, there's, there's a lot of discussions going on a lot of people throwing a lot of ideas around smart cities. And one of the things I noticed is that you've got a kind of a different take going into smart cities than maybe everyone else does. When I, when I had Franny Matthews on the first installment of this, I, the first question to her was, how do you define smart cities? And I think I'll probably end up asking that of everybody that I have on. But I, I, I really like where you, where you start with it. When I talk to Franny, it's like when you talk about smart cities, it all comes down to data. But I would say your position is it all kind of starts with data, right? Absolutely. And, and I mean, just to answer the, the question about what, what is a smart city? I, I mean, um, I think first off, 
um, all cities would would be a little bit different in terms of their definition uh, of a smart city. But second to that, I've never heard a single city call themselves a dumb city. So <laughs> interesting, yeah. That, uh, we'll throw that out there. Um, it, yeah, it absolutely. Uh, it starts with with data, from my perspective. Um, when the smart city boom kind of kind of kicked off, it was a premise that cities have a ton of data and they're not doing anything with it. And so, fast forward a few years, and every city that I'm in, I see you know solution providers coming in and they're selling hardware. Whereas from my perspective, I want to understand, and I think it's important for the cities to understand, what do you have today? And look at the, look at the number one, number two, number three initiatives and start with the data that you currently have and then move forward with what improvements you would like to make to, to solve for the initiatives that you have for the, for the city and, and its citizens. Absolutely. Well, I, w one of the things that I found interesting in our discussion was, yeah, you can, you can look around and you'd see that there are a host of solutions offered for smart cities and some of it's hardware yeah. and some of it's uh, software solutions and people have, well, they have methodologies. There's, there's a whole lot of, there, there's a whole lot of infrastructure showing up in support of smart cities, but it does kind of come down to this question of, well, okay, so you've got a solution. Have you identified the problem first, right? Do you know what problem you're trying to solve with smart cities? Maybe, maybe people need to take a, take a step back and look at that one first. Absolutely. I mean, it was, uh, you know, initially it was streetlights. Everyone, you know, jumped on the uh, relamping initiatives of, uh, you know, upgrading the streetlights to LEDs and then uh, connecting them. And then from the connecting of the streetlights, you now have the ability to deploy other sensors and, and things of that nature. And, and while I'm not in disagreement with that, I, I think that uh, that's not the city's biggest problem. The cities themselves have, have a number of challenges, uh, starting from the inside in terms of the vertically integrated organizations sharing data with themselves, uh, all the way to the OT side of the, of the world where you know, you're, you're deploying all of these uh, sensors for people counting and vehicle counting and, and what have you, environmental monitoring and, and everything of that nature. But again, I, I, when I look at it, it's you know, cities have to have a vision for what they seek to achieve. And then they have to start asking the right questions of the, of the solution providers uh, to ensure that these solutions are actually going to solve my problem or move me in the right direction. Uh, so I, I kind of I kind of look at it as uh, the the solution providers are understanding that there's problems in the city and they think that well if you if you deploy my solution we will provide you these new insights and I would argue that in a lot of instances there's data already available within the city now it may not be the quality data that that you're looking for but you should start with that to identify where you need to augment and add or improve. Because whatever else you're gonna get from any new system you put in place, or any, especially any new device you put in place, if you, if you go with smart street lamps or smart street lights or any of those things, what are they gonna do? Well, they're gonna produce a bunch more data. You're gonna have even more exactly. data. And you haven't figured out exactly. what you're doing with the data you got. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So now, and, and, and on top of that, if, if, um, if I'm a city, I'm a CIO or I'm the city manager and I have, 
these vertically integrated organizations um, and streetlights are, are deployed. So public works is looking at the streetlights and someone else is looking at something else. And then the IT department is looking at something else. And, and it, I, I don't have the data fusion that uh, is going to deliver to me a, a single pane of glass by which I can say, oh, I see that these streetlights are, are you know, operating or I have day burners or I have, I have these other things, but there's a lot of other activity that's taking place. How do you, how do you utilize that data to invoke you know, either different behaviors or solve for public safety issues or things of that nature uh, across the board uh, and then provide those insights to the vertically integrated organizations that need it. Right, right. It just, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Well, let me ask you this. What, one of the things that I've been hearing a lot about is this focus on regions rather than, rather than cities. So talking about talking about smart regions. It was one of the ideas that kept popping up at the symposium. So I guess this is kind of a two-part question. One is why would we think about regions rather than just cities is, is question number one. And number two is if we do that, doesn't the data issue become that much more complex because then we're dealing with data from a lot of different municipalities or jurisdictions or what have you? You know, that, that is a, uh, a huge uh, topic. Uh, and, and here's, let me give you an example. Um, one of the first cities that I worked with, uh, Palo Alto, uh, we go through and, and we help them uh, in terms of using the data to provide visualizations for the traffic um, you know, as a monitoring uh, aspect of, of the solution. And we improve the traffic flow there, but if I go to the neighboring city, Mountain View right. or Sunnyvale, or Santa Clara, or down to San Jose, I, I don't have that same experience. And so it becomes very clear that, that and I'm not saying a city by city is not, is not good. It's, it's great, every city needs to have, have these initiatives and, and, and work being done. But if I have a regional approach and we solve the, the challenges associated with procurement, and we solve the challenges with a collective vision, and we solve the challenges of data utilization and what data is going to be used for what solutions. Now I get to have a, an experience going from city to city that is the same. And that has to be part and partial to uh, the conversation of, of improving cities overall. Well, that's a great example. When when you pick that particular geography, I'm thinking, because it, it really draws attention to it. I'm sure that everywhere that smart city initiatives are being put in place, there is a potential conflict between two adjacent municipalities if they're, if they're using different solutions. But I can only imagine in Silicon Valley, which is what you just described, that it's that problem on steroids, right? They're probably, everybody's trying a lot of different things, I'm, I'm guessing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to compound that, it's ownership of the data. Right. Um, I think that, you know, I'm starting to see it more now where, you know, the contracts that are written, uh, the city states that it owns the data. And, and I think that that's hugely important. Um, but in the past, uh, there were instances where I would, I'm working with the city and I say, you know, can I get your historic parking data? 
and they've got to go to the solution provider and ask the solution provider for the data. Hmm. Um, you know, these are things that when, you know, at the, at the, you know, I, I'm calling this an inflection point because initially it wasn't thought about in terms of data fusion because parking was a, an isolated uh, solution in and of itself, traffic monitoring and management by itself and the flow, just basically the flow of how the city works was no one considered let's fuse all of this data together and understand how people are moving through the city, uh, where, where they're at, um, how do we inter interact with the citizens and visitors of the city and things of that nature. And now you start to see the compounding of challenges uh, in terms of data sharing, data ownership, um, and then, of course, the million-dollar question, you know, is there a monetization exercise that needs to be had there? So it, it, it's, it's data is the new oil type thing, yeah. uh, and, and everyone's, everyone's looking to, you know, get their piece of it and, and what have you. But I think that we've still got to get back to the brass fundamentals of why are cities doing this? And, and it's 100% to enhance operational efficiency for the city, citizen engagement within the city. And, and, and lastly, but not definitely not least, um, you know, it, we have to consider uh, the digital divide or, you know, digital equity and, and what have you. All of these things have to be, you know, front and center in terms of, of, of why, we're, why we're on this movement. One of the things that occurs to me as you're talking about that is that there's plenty of motivation for all of those communities to work together. I mean, I, I can imagine that traditionally there's plenty of motivation to try to keep your own sandbox toys in your own sandbox, right? There's, there's always that, that fear. But if you're sharing your data, if you're, if you're using similar structures of data and compatible data with your neighbor to your right and your neighbor to your left, uh, and you're gonna share data with them, you've suddenly got three times as much data as you had potentially, right? You've got, and it's not just that it's more of the same, it's a more complete story than you had before. You know that someone is driving through your municipality, right? Now you know where they're coming from and where they're going to, right? I mean, it's like you, right. you, have, a, you have a much greater understanding of, of what's happening. The ones who stopped there, the ones who started there, all of that kind of, the people who leave your municipality, where do they end up, right? Wouldn't it be great to know those kinds of things? And if you're, if you're sharing data, then, then you've got a lot more uh, complete, I guess, of a, of a vision of the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and, and, and again, it, it, gets, it gets down to, you know, the things that, you know, initially we hadn't thought about, but are, are coming to the surface now. And that is, you know, how much do you know about any, you know, individual within the city? And, you know, so this speaks to the P, uh, personal identifiable information piece of it, the security of the data, uh, all, all of those, all those things. But I think that's, that, that part is the, is the clarity part. So you clarify, you know, what data you're going to be using and how you're going to use it. And, and the rest of it, you know, just kind of gets sequestered. Uh, and, you know, you're not interested in, you know, I'll say facial recognition and things of that nature for general, for the general populace and for the general applications of, of data usage. There may be a public safety or a, um, a, you know, 
first responder requirement that says, hey, you know, I would like to have this. But that I, I don't even think that we're there yet. I think right. that we've got to get the the infrastructure in place. We've got to get the policy and privacy and security uh, elements in place first. Then you can grow to the, you know, the real advanced uh, elements of, okay, well, the police department, you know, has access to these cameras and they have access to this data set, which then has a level of uh, facial recognition or something of that nature where I can help identify um, a nefarious subject that's roaming through the city. Well, one of the ideas I heard at the symposium was that in the case of Colorado, we've got Denver obviously is a 500 pound gorilla in, in, the, in the room when talking with the other communities that surround it. And one of the things it's done is it's opened up its RFP so that all the other communities have access to that and are encouraged to align their systems with, with Denver. And that would make sure then that they're aligning their data types and that, and that things are going to be able to be shared. Do you think that's the best model for getting cities uh, across a region onto the same page or are there other ways of doing that? Well, you know, I, I think that that's a, I think that's a, a, a really nice model um, because again, you know, it, it, it addresses the procurement challenge uh, and then it's, it seeks to align, you know, data formats and data usage and all of these common elements that a region would benefit from. Um, I mean, part of the challenge with smart cities is part and partial to what happened with the smart grid uh, when it was, you know, in its boom and smart cities has not received funding right. uh, in the same fashion. During the smart grid boom, we had stimulus dollars and uh, IOUs and, and other municipality, um, you know, utilities could, could secure those funds. And then they were able to uh, create their smart grid and satisfy their smart grid initiatives. Smart cities has not seen that yet. And, and so you now have to be more creative in terms of, you know, how, how do we attract a region, um, you know, initiative and how do we get everybody to um, have, the, have the opportunity to secure their solutions that are identical to the city adjacent to them? So I, I, I like that. I like that model. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be following it to see how many actually adopt it and, and, and utilize it. Uh, but I think that we have to have more of that. Yeah. And, and, and it feels like there's still a lot of kind of figuring out how that, how that's going to work to be done because it seems like it's a good centralized model and it, they seem to be doing it well in Denver where it is a kind of a sharing model, not a, we're ordering you around, <laughs> right. Kind of a, right. kind of a picture, which that could turn into. Well, it, and it, and it could. And, and I mean, but, but, you know, having that level of freedom to say, you know, I'm an adjacent, I'm an adjacent city and, and I'm, you know, my number one thing is not parking. It is actually traffic. So I'm going to take advantage of this procurement vehicle as opposed to having to go through and litter the city with um, proof of concepts and pilots that never either get taken out or utilized. I can actually say this has already been proven. Uh, Denver has already, you know, said, yes, it works. And here are the results. I want that, and and off you go. Um, when you see these multitudes of RFPs and 
uh, how they're written and, and how they're defined, it, it gets to be, again, it, it adds to the city by city and, and no continuity city by city. Right, right. Something I've been dealing with in the private sector, working with big enterprise companies, is this ongoing issue around what's going to go to the cloud and what's going to stay on premises and there for for some companies they do financial services they do healthcare there are regulations pretty strict regulations governing how they how they have to control some data related to people's accounts personal information those kinds of things and they have to keep it on prem because it's you know there's just there's regulations that say that so they say well here i i want to have this much of my footprint here in my facility and i want to have this much, as much as I can, I want to move it up to the cloud, or as little as I can, I want to move it up to the cloud, depending on the business. Now, it seems that in the smart city space, that whole discussion takes the form of this question of the cloud versus the edge. And, and that has to do with the, I guess, the analysis, how fast we're able to process that data and make, make sense of it. Can you tell a little bit about what that, what, what that tension is and why, why that's important? Yeah, and and I mean, I think it's, um, I think one, I think there's a a challenge in terms of the definition Uh, to a number of folks when you say the edge, um, that could be the IT core network edge, uh, which can be, you know, either uh, on-prem or in the cloud. And then the OT side of the world where you have an edge router or an edge device that is aggregating data, processing that data locally, and then potentially making decisions um, on, on, on behalf of the solution. And I think that both are necessary. We have not seen the, I'll say the influx of, of solutions actually you know, taking the, the space by storm yet, but it is absolutely necessary when you look at the volume of data that's gonna be uh, created just from deploying all of these sensors. Um, you know, an an example of that is is uh, I'll go back to Palo Alto and and say on 120 intersections we're generating four terabytes of data per day, but when you utilize you know some intelligence built into that, the ability to reduce that over 50 percent is there because of useful data, redundant data being kicked out. Uh, you know, or sequestered and not, you know, not sent back to the cloud. Right. So I think it comes, that part comes in, in terms of uh, what is the latency uh, required? So if there's a latency requirement that you've got to make, you know, quick decisions and that definition of, of a quick decision drives you to saying, well, edge intelligence is the way to do this, but this is specifically for a, a given use case, primarily, Traffic, of course, if you're talking about adaptive traffic, traffic signals and when they should change and how they should change and timing of, of all of that, an edge based solution uh, will help you uh, in that in that effort. The you, you really kind of want to reduce the amount of data that you're actually bringing back to the cloud for a number of reasons. Um, what data is is useful? Again, we get back to understanding what your baseline is. So what data do you really need to bring back to the cloud? And what data is okay to to be left on the edge and and utilized for decision making? Um, So I kind of of say that, again, we're in in the infancy of of all of that, but 
we have to take a step back and understand what's our architecture. What, you know, what, what problem are we trying to solve? Right. What's the architecture for that? And then, you know, gauge the benefits, gauge the benefits and have a, a real plan around that. So, uh, you know, this is the part where you may, may very well spend a year uh, putting together your standards, your policies, your practices around uh, data governance and, and things of that nature. Uh, so I, I think that both are still needed. Not one is going to win over the other. Um, it's just a model by which we operate uh, that I think is in the midst of being created. Yeah, and I mean, and some of it's pretty obvious when you're talking about we we have a certain amount of understanding that needs to go into the report we put out every month. Well, you know what the latency is there, and that's fine, right? No big deal. But as you said, when you get into you're making these split second, microsecond, you know, nanosecond decisions about changing the light and changing the traffic flow. And I mean, there's people's schedules and lives and stuff on the line. Then it's a, com- yep. it's a completely different scale. So something else is happening altogether. And it's interesting when you start talking about things like traffic management, that that goes beyond what a lot of people are thinking about when they think of smart cities, even though a lot of smart cities thinking began with traffic and we're going to come back to traffic in a moment but before we before we hone in on that one let's talk about some of the other pieces for example we talk about the smart grid that's that's part of the smart city although sometimes people tend to think of that one as its own as its own kind of issue so what are the pros and cons of inc- of a, having a smart city model that includes more and more pieces uh, versus one that is very focused on just a few things well, I think that first and foremost, it's it's what's your level of effort, um, you know, when and and then it's, there's the uh, collaboration between the local utility or the municipality and the city, and and then it moves up to who you know who owns what assets, and I mean, so it's it's not even a technology problem; it's it's more of a uh, business operations challenge, uh, in turn, you know, kind of related to. Uh, how do utilities operate today and how do the cities operate? Um, smart grid is absolutely a part of, of smart city, uh, primarily because if, if you don't have the grid operating, you don't have the city operating. Right, right. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, I think when a lot of people think smart grid, they think the meters on your home and, and the meters on your home is the end point. Um, but you got to get all the way back to the transformers, the switches and reclosers and the distribution of that energy uh, that then tie into all of the other, you know, sustainable and renewable solutions. So solar and, and wind and, you know, other things that are kind of tied to the grid that then power all of these other devices that are now going to be in the city. So I, I, I think that there's um, there's a, an absolute tie-in, and we and we need to think about that uh, in the in the larger context of smart cities. The the bigger challenge, though, again to me is I think you know getting these two entities to actually talk to each other and come up with a unified plan. Right, right, because it's it, it's not much good having a smart city and and a smart grid. Imagine you got both of those and they're not talking to each other. Now that would truly exactly. be a city, right? Now that would be city. <laughs> it wouldn't be the smartest, but <laughs> because absolutely. You're, you're not using you're not using the smarts you have. I mean, it's one thing to say, well, we've got a smart 
grid. We don't have a particularly smart water system. And you, and you understand, you know where, the, where intelligence has been added, you know where things have been improved and where they haven't. But everywhere you're doing that, it seems like you want to optimize towards having it all work together. I mean, that, that's just, just fundamentals of system theory, right? Of making things yes. work together. Yes. So, so taking it back to fundamentals, we, we, we kind of started you and I when we were talking talking about challenges with improving traffic and congestion. So why don't you step us through that a little bit? What are the, what are the issues and what are the opportunities around traffic and congestion with, with smart cities? Because I think you've spent more time maybe on this than, than some of the other areas. Well, I think um, I think number number one is is you know there are are, are metrics uh, around you know you can read them in various reports about how much time is spent uh, just getting from point A to point B uh, you know especially in the in the more congested areas but the majority of cities are experiencing some level of of uh, congestion and and time to get from point A to point B so. It, it, it kind of starts with that. But the, the, the challenge that I've seen is, um, you know, some solution providers come in and, and there, there are various components, right? There's, um, you know, companies that have uh, image sensors, cameras uh, that are intelligent and can, can, can tell you, you know, there's this many cars in queue, there's the, you know, vehicles are traveling at this velocity. Uh, then there's the, the, a ton of sensors that are already in use in in a number of the cities uh, with you know loop detectors and crosswalk buttons and things of that nature in conjunction with uh, the cameras the one centralized component to this is the traffic management system all of that data comes through that uh, if a city is actually you know using it uh, but today and and you know in the past and and still even today there's there's um you know things are operating on timers uh even if it's you know variable timers throughout the day we know that this is a peak uh so change the timing of of this light to every you know every 2 minutes we're going to or every minute we're going to change it and 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 there's a coordination now a lot of this is governed by signal phasing and timing uh right. in in you know spat data uh, is there. But when we start talking about how do you improve the flow, again, this is going to be, I think, a very incremental uh, process in terms of let's collect that data, let's you know, analyze that data, and let's visualize that data first, because we've been doing this for so long uh, with, without automation, without really, you know, truly a achieving adaptive uh, traffic signals. And I think that, I, I think that a, a conservative approach is what we're seeing. You know, everybody kind of wants to see the, you know, see the visual first, keep the operations the same, uh, and then realize where we can, can become more efficient. Now, there's clearly um, an opportunity in terms of the fusion of data. So if a city says down this corridor, we're going to we're going to try adaptive. We understand uh, the flow of, of traffic and we understand, we, we've done some studies and we understand what's happening. So we're going to try removing the timers and we're going to go adaptive during you know, this period of time. And by the way, we're going to incorporate some uh, environmental monitoring. We want to check the CO2 uh, within along this corridor. And it's, that in and of itself is going to take six months, nine months. 
to get through that study. And then they say, yes, there was an improvement, but it was the fusion of data that kind of allowed traffic to hit their metrics of improved flow and sustainability to hit their metrics about where they're going to be on their, on their carbon initiatives. So, um, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so when you, when you start putting all those pieces together, it, it seems like looking at the data, as you said, you've got to, you've got to begin with what it is that you're trying to accomplish. You're, you're managing uh, traffic and congestion. What are you looking to do? Well, you would think primarily maybe cut the commute, get people home sooner. You think, well, if you do that one, you're probably also cutting those CO2 emissions. So that might be a win-win. Um, you're also looking at safety. You're also looking at what, what configuration of everything working together is resulting in the most accidents, what's resulting in the least accidents. And what's going to get interesting is when those data, if they do, start disagreeing with each other, right? When you say, well, you know what, we can get everybody home five minutes earlier, but now we're going to have one more fender bender for every 10,000 cars on the, on the road or something like that. But you can't make those decisions unless you have the data. Exactly. And it all starts with data. <laughs> so, so in the end, in the end, it comes back. Let's get the data and look at it. Let's know what we're doing, and then maybe we've got a real opportunity to to improve things. Exactly. I mean, you know, th this is the importance of of having a a strat a vision, a strategy, and an execution plan. Uh, the majority of cities that, that you talk to will, you know, tell you they've got a Vision Zero initiative. And, and I hear so much of the, you know, the initiatives, the buzzwords, and, and here's what we're going to attempt to do. I, I just think that we have to start, you know, one, uh, communicating and sharing that information across the board. I think, I really think, I mean, a number of cities have sister cities and, and what have you. Uh, it, you know, a lot of that stuff, the, the learnings, uh, you know, if there are experiments or proof of concepts or pilots that are going on, there needs to be a larger forum uh, for sharing the results of that. And when you, you know, go to these smart city events and everything like that, let's, uh, let's start talking about, well, we failed on, on this one. And here's, here's why. Did anybody else experience anything like that? Uh, instead, we, we currently hear, you know, it was a success. It was great. We're moving to full deployment. Um, but I think there's a lot to be garnered from the, the failures. Yeah, probably a lot more lessons to be learned from the failures than, than from the highly touted successes. So, so that, exactly. that's interesting. It's, it's, it's yet another use of the data, sharing, sharing yeah. the data amongst those who've, who've not had things work out and, and get a better idea of how to, how to implement a smart city. Exactly. exactly. It really does all come down to data in the end, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> all right. Well, Bill, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And was there anything else that I failed to ask that you wanted to tell me about Smart Cities today? No, it was, uh, like I said, it was an absolute honor to be speaking with you today and uh, look forward to uh, another opportunity. Well, I hope we can do it again sometime soon. We'll check on how, we'll check on the progress that the industry makes here as we as we move forward, see if we can get folks sharing data. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. We will be back with part three of our ongoing series on smart cities in the very near future. And until next time, live to see it.
learn more about Smart Connections Consulting, go to smartconnections.io. To learn more about this program, visit worldtransformed.com. Thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.